Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. Because I'm motivated by something bigger than myself. So I joined the CIA. And now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Here, my abilities contribute to our mission. Agency professionals have extraordinary integrity and exceptional talents. And every day, we do work that's incredibly important. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit cia.gov careers to learn more and apply. Welcome in. It is GC Live. We are live from Market on Main. Trying to get set up here with the best view where you can see everything behind us and also see us. Very bright but beautiful day here. Downtown Columbia, South Carolina. He is Chris Clark. I'm Wes Mitchell. And we got Miranda helping us out over here. Come on out. Hang out with us. We've got some great food. Chris is working on a pimento cheese sandwich. Oh, yeah. I'm working on a turkey bacon sandwich that is amazing. I got it last time as well. Fries. Uh, what do they call these fries here, dude? Truffle fries. Truffle fries. Yep. Little cheese, little truffle oil. Very, very good. We are, of course, also brought to you by Affordable Medical USA, home of the game day chair. Chris, you want to go ahead and just tell them about the game day chair before we I'm get rolling? Well, man. You know what? I wish I had a game day chair right now. Because uh, it's a little hot, and that would help with the comfort level. Game Day Chair is brought to you by AffordableMedicalUSA.com. You see the number. You see the website right up there. Uh, go to their website and uh, search for the Maxi Comfort Cloud you with just, you can just Twilight it it. Technology. And uh, it is the most comfortable, most luxurious uh, recliner-style chair that you'll ever see. TV, watching position, lounge position, twilight position, which is a zero-gravity lay-flat position. Go check those guys out. They are the primary sponsor for GC Live and the reason we have a daily show here. So make sure you support them. Yeah, and again, uh, every week, Mark and Main host a watch party for the game. There is a probably the biggest screen I have ever seen in front of us right now. 23-foot LED screen and the perfect place to watch the game. South Carolina LSU. We are going to be joined real quickly and I can't even tell what time it is right now, y'all. But at some point, Jarrett Roser, who joined us you know, earlier in the week, he's going to pop in the show, answer a few of y'all's questions, and talk about T.J. Finley, the news coming down yesterday that he will be starting for LSU. So we'll have that to talk about. But I would say the, the only big news we've gotten since the last show would be the final injury report, which we got, obviously, from, from Muschamp yesterday, call-in show. And the news that, that Izzy Mukwamu, it appears, um, is going to be ready to go on Saturday. Even when Muschamp said he, he practiced on Tuesday, I was still a little bit skeptical. I, I think just with it being a groin injury, being something that you kind of have to monitor. I think with an injury like that, it's always technically a game-time decision. Like you have to test it out mm-hmm. and make sure you're all good as far as that goes. But as far as we know – and as far as, 
you know, Izzy being able to test that thing out on Thursday in practice, it appears South Carolina will have Izzy McQuamu, which I think obviously adding another guy back to the secondary, especially not having some of their normal depth with Cam Smith, um, it's obviously pretty big good news for South Carolina. It is. And so I think obviously we know that, that Izzy can play some different roles, whether it's corner or playing safety. Um I think the question probably becomes, like you said, game day, how good does he feel? Um, is he limited in any capacity? You know, it's certainly a positive that he's going to be available. It's certainly a positive that he's practiced this week. But is he limited at all? Um, does he? Do they need to put him on sort of a snap count, so to speak? Um, and do they, you know, does he tweak it at any point? Because we've already seen that this season. You know, we've seen Izzy have the groin injury. He's playing, he tweaks it, comes out of the football game. And so obviously that, that had an effect on the secondary, although in that particular game that, you know, ended up being fine um, in the secondary. And they played well in his absence with some guys. You know, you look at Auburn and Johnny Dixon ste- stepping up, J.C. Horn having the best game from a statistical standpoint of his career, um, and some other guys back there at safety that have, you know, come along. And so uh, certainly a positive to have a guy with his experience and his uh, playmaking potential you know, back there against some of the weapons that LSU is going to present. All right, and if, uh, by the way, if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter, go ahead. We normally try to sort of steer you to YouTube anyway, but I'm going to tell you today for sure, go to YouTube. That's the only way we're going to be able to answer your questions. Um, It's really bright. I can't actually see the computer screen right now, so I'm going to pull up YouTube on my phone. If you have questions, comments, go to YouTube, put them in there. And then I'll actually be able to see them, uh, which is not the case right now for Facebook or Twitter. And if you have if you have a few LSU specific questions, as in for their folks, for their beat writer, like I said, uh, Jarrett Roser, he's going to try to hop in. I, I think about one fifteen or so, give us a little TJ Finley update as far as a scouting report there, and we'll answer some of your questions if you have them. Um, let's see, first question that I saw. I'm sure I maybe missed some, but go ahead, throw them back in there if you need to. Chris, have you heard any news about Derek Stanley Jr. possibly being banged up as well? Is that is that out there? There's a question about it. Um, I haven't seen that since his initial injury because now he missed the first game of the year, right, against, against Mississippi State, that sort of shocking result for LSU, Mississippi State going up and down the field. I haven't seen that. They did have a couple other guys that were banged up. I can't remember if Stingley was one of them. I think Terrace Marshall was actually uh, banged up, you know, during or before going into the last game, maybe going into Florida week or when they were supposed to play Florida this past week. Um, and that didn't end up happening. But I think I think they're fine. Um, from what we have heard, what we have read from our colleagues over there, they've actually gotten some guys, you know, back. And so uh, I haven't heard anything new unless we missed something about Stingley you know, potentially being out of this game. All right, I had another question here. You think LSU is going to run the football more with a freshman quarterback? I mean, I, I think that's probably a given. Yeah. Um, Try to, at least. Yeah, how, how does the game play out? What's the um, what's the game flow, you know? I mean, it, it's it's easy to sit here and talk about those things right now as far as how we think it'll play out. But a lot of those things really are going to depend on the flow of the game. I think if LSU is able to move the football early, get some type of a lead, then certainly you probably approach it a little bit differently than you would if you had Miles Brennan 
um, as your quarterback, a guy who's even obviously not that experienced himself, but was one of the actually one of the, statistically one of the best passers in the SEC through the first couple of games for them. So, yeah, it's certainly going to be different, and it, it has to affect your play calling. Are you a little bit more? I don't know, maybe conservative on a third and long. Maybe maybe if it's Miles Brennan, you feel comfortable letting him throw into coverage when you know you're going to get some of these different looks. Maybe with him, I mean, I I hesitate to bring this up because it's going to be bad memories for South Carolina fans. <laughs> but I distinctly remember last year Sam Howell making his first career start. Yeah. And North Carolina, third and long, you know, third and goal from like the eight run the football, run the foot. Basically, they said we're not going to put him in a position to make mistakes and cost us the game. We're just going to try to hang around. Now, I look at this LSU team. They have weapons, as we've talked about. They have a great tight end, Eric Gilbert. Obviously, Terrace Marshall Jr., stud, outstanding wide receiver. So, what what is their approach? We will not know until Saturday night. Mm -hmm as we're all watching this play out together. But I would certainly think, without knowing, without any of us knowing much about T.J. Finley, other than what we see in the high school tape, yeah. in general, if it's a freshman, you're going to do everything you can to put that guy into easier situations, I think. For sure. I mean, very first – and, you know, a lot of times we're talking about a guy going into his first start – or his first big game. I mean, this is his first action ever, right? I mean, we looked at that. T.J. Finley and Max Johnson, the two guys that were vying for this starting job, and maybe Johnson still plays some. Maybe we'll ask Jared about that. You know, these are two guys that have not played. I mean, not only are they freshmen, but, you know, it's game four for them, and Miles Brennan's gone the distance in all the games, even even apparently Vandy. You know, the, the other two games, they were in fights. You know, in the loss to Missouri, the loss to Mississippi State, they're trying to stay on the field and score. So, Miles Brennan is a guy for them who was a playmaker at the quarterback position. He's not just a guy that could, you know, make the throws. He could actively make some plays, break in the pocket when things broke down. He could throw, he could run, he could look to throw on the run. TJ Finley, from what we've seen, what we've heard, and that's all we can go on so far is more of a pocket guy. Max Johnson's regarded as more of the thrower or more of the runner, a little bit more of a mobile option, not super mobile, but a little bit more. Finley's a guy that the book on him in high school was a really good distributor of the ball, good arm strength. Ed Orgeron's talked of him very highly, but it is his first game action. And so for South Carolina, the key is going to be definitely stop the run, try to force him into third longs, pressure. And so it'll be interesting to see the game plan for LSU. I think it's going to be run the ball and try – to get the ball to your playmakers. Big-armed kid, yeah. from what I've gathered, and just a big kid in general. 6'6", six, six, I think he reported at about 260 pounds. He's down about 240 from just what you hear and see from the LSU media and from Ed Orgeron and those guys. So he has lost some weight, I think, has helped his mobility a little bit in the pocket from, from what I've read. And, and that'll – to me, that will be the curious thing to watch. I know I, I was looking at the, the quotes from Ed Orgeron. He said they've run him in practice a little bit this week, and I, I think just the sheer size, whereas Max may be a faster quarterback, as we've learned, as we've learned more and more about both these guys. 
But just having to tackle a guy like that, yeah. you really can't – you can't go for these big shot plays on him. And I don't mean shot plays like in a sense of offense. I mean when you're trying to basically thud a guy as opposed to wrap him up and bring him down. He will have a he will have a great day for LSU if South Carolina treats him like any other quarterback and goes for the big hit. He's a guy to me you have to wrap up, you have to bring down, you have to gang tackle him, and you have to sort of appreciate that this is a tight end sized person playing the quarterback position. Yeah, bigger than a lot of tight ends even actually. So I mean he's a. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right. And that's the key, you know, no matter what. Any game you go into, you talk about affecting the quarterback, pressuring the quarterback. Will Muschamp mentioned it on, on, on his Tuesday press conference. During his Tuesday press conference, he was asked, you know, when you're looking at an offense with, with your defensive mind, you know, are you looking – what position are you looking at in terms of guys that are making plays? And he said, really, it can be anywhere, but the quarterback is oftentimes a guy that can hurt you, you know. Um, and so – if you looked at LSU with Miles Brennan, that's definitely a guy that could hurt you. Then you look at Gilbert, then you look at Marshall, um, just for starters. There are certainly others. Now it's a little bit more of an unknown, but, um, you know, he is a big guy and he's a freshman. Again, first game action. So obviously the, the emphasis on pressuring the passer, pressuring a freshman quarterback is going to be even greater in this game because it could lead to some turnovers. It could lead to some big plays. You could force some more mistakes. You know, for LSU, you're a little bit more nervous about that as opposed to having Miles Brennan in there. Yep. All right. So I'm trying to get some more of y'all's questions. I, I really cannot overestimate how bright it is right now. <laughs> um, but it is, it's a beautiful day. Um, come out if you if you're actually eating here. The great thing is for lunch over there, you're in the shade, so it's a little different than where we are right now. Um, we had a question from Greg, Greg Faircloth, one of our I would say pretty loyal watchers and listeners. Um, let's see. I thought you had a question, Greg. Somebody asked, I don't know if it was Greg or somebody else. Somebody asked if we feel like, I think they were saying that South Carolina has improved from the start of the year till now in most aspects of the, of the program, of the football team. I don't know if I – can completely agree with that yet, but I, I do think I can say they've been able to build off of the positives of Vanderbilt and of Auburn. And I, I think that's a situation where they had gotten so used to losing around here that they needed something good to happen. Something good happened, obviously, against Vandy. and They built off that and were able to go out and, and beat Auburn. And um, we'll, we'll get into more, more of that here in a second, but before then, we're going to go out now, if I can see my cursor, and bring in Jarrett Roser, TigerDetails.com. Jarrett, can you hear us, man? Yeah, I can hear you guys great. And it looks like it's a, a beautiful place to be, even though it is a little bit bright. I'm a little bit jealous. Well, man, if you, um, you want to hop on a flight, we, uh, we got room for you. We'll get a, a brew ready for you, man. But, um, yeah, man, appreciate you hopping in as the sun finally goes behind the cloud. So, all right, if y'all if y'all have any questions for Jarrett, throw them in the chat real quick, and I'll pick a couple of them. But the big thing we want to get you back on for, man, and we do appreciate the time, 
What's uh what what can you tell us about TJ Finley? I know we chatted about him a little bit earlier this week, but now we know for sure he's the guy. So first and foremost, what is your scouting report of what South Carolina can expect from this kid? Yeah, when we talked, it was still kind of a toss-up between the two freshmen, and it actually sounded like early in the week that LSU would probably lean a little bit more toward Max Johnson, even though it was, a, I mean, a pretty clear toss-up. And on Thursday night after practice, uh, O said it, w- it was a coin flip. He, he still thinks both those guys are going to play, but that TJ just performed a little bit better on some third down plays over the course of the week, and then it really came down to just kind of a, a razor-thin differential between the two. And TJ, I mean, the scouting report for him has always been big kid, big arm, can throw the ball uh, all over the, the field, and – that's kind of what caught a lot of people's attention as his recruitment picked up a few years back as a sophomore at Ponchatoula, just about 40 minutes east of, of Baton Rouge. And he really worked hard, particularly, I guess, his senior year and then getting into this offseason and, and getting ready for this year on getting in better shape to be a little bit more mobile when he needs to be, uh, which is something we've heard the coaching staff talk an awful lot about that he – has that ability now more than ever before to to make some plays with his legs if he needs to if things break down, as well as just his overall maturity, comfort level, poise, and and not not taking as many risks with that big arm because he has an, an awful lot of confidence in himself and and trying to make sure that he's he's making the right plays. And so it seems like for for a staff that really is prioritizing limiting those miscues that they feel comfortable with with where he's progressed in that regard to, to have that big cannon of an arm as a weapon, but also to be really kind of becoming that much better and smarter and more mature of a quarterback. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting. Um, a lot of people around here have sort of thought of him as a dual threat quarterback. And the more we've read, like you said, it's more been that he was kind of a, a throw first guy, but has developed that as he's gotten to campus. Um, so and and he's dropped what I read twenty pounds or so since since he arrived. Is that right? Yeah, twenty or twenty five pounds. And and he could, he could always run a little bit, but they feel a lot better about where he is now as as a little bit trimmer of an athlete to to do that effectively. So is this a guy? And and obviously this may be difficult to answer. It's just going to depend on the game plan. But uh, could you see LSU potentially running him with designed stuff, uh, particularly you know short yardage stuff like that? and using that size, or do you think this is more a deal of just he has that in his back pocket if a play breaks down to sort of extend a play out? I lean a little bit more toward the latter and them letting him just kind of focus on on using his arm and throwing and doing what he's most comfortable with and and really just kind of having that, that escapability as, as kind of a, a backup plan. So – I won't be surprised if they they run him a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be something we we see as you know a, a focal point or something that they use. I don't I don't think with with a high level of consistency, particularly particularly right now. I know that they've been hesitant with risking quarterback injuries in in years past. That was kind of a deal with. They worried about how much to let Joe Burrow run in years past because they knew how much of a drop-off it would be at that position. 
And so with Miles Brennan already struggling with this lingering injury that we, we don't seem to know for sure whether he'll even be back at Auburn or if it might be another couple weeks before he comes back after the bye against Alabama. If you have just those two remaining scholarship quarterbacks, I don't know how much they want to risk TJ. I think will probably be a factor in their thought process as well. Yeah, and that definitely makes sense, man. So one question we had from a couple of people here on the show in the chat was basically about Kevin Harris and the South Carolina running game and how that relates to LSU. We've seen South Carolina sort of not have as much success early in games, and they've sort of stuck with the run, pounded away, and had success as the game progresses. So what can you maybe tell us about LSU's run defense this year so far and sort of have they been a team that's dealt with a lot of missed tackles? I know they've had their issues, but has missed tackles in the running game been a part of that, or have their issues been more about giving up, you know, like explosive plays in the passing game? I think if you can – if you can name an issue on defense so far this season, LSU has probably dealt with it some. And so a lot more attention goes to the amount of passing yards that they've given up. And they've had a ton of issues in that secondary. And I guess really starts with the linebacking core and coverage. So the linebackers and the secondary, you know, miscommunicating and giving up some big plays through the passing game, but they haven't necessarily been a tremendous run defense either. And as much as we talked about, both of these teams beat Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt kind of you knew going into the year was going to have some struggles. Vanderbilt moved the ball pretty well. And a lot of it was the run game uh, on LSU in the first half of that game before they left some points on the board uh, late in the second quarter. And LSU was kind of able to put some distance to them and, and pull away and, and get more comfortable. So I think from an LSU standpoint, certainly they've known that they needed to do, to do better at not only defending the pass, but defending the run and really everything from, I mean, from front to back on, on that defensive side of the ball. And that that's something that is kind of a concern against a South Carolina team that has had a lot of success running the football. And so we'll see how well LSU does with that. I know they've, they've planned to make some adjustments up front, try to have a, a bigger group up front at the defensive line and hope that that helps them with, with stopping the run and, and kind of start there and let some of the, the simplification of the coverages help on the back end. A uh, couple more questions here real quick for you, Jared. Um, the, uh, the Marshall and Horn matchup, um, just sort of your general thoughts on that and maybe how that could go on, on Saturday. I hope we see a lot of it. it. It has the potential to be an awful lot of fun with two fantastic players, two of the best players of their position in the country and I'm interested to see how LSU moves Terrence Marshall around the offense and how South Carolina potentially moves J.C. Horn following him or leaving him where he is. I think that's going to be kind of a fun piece of that matchup because as we talked about uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, O said throughout this week, Coach Ogeron said throughout this week that that he plans to move Terrence Marshall to pretty much any wide receiver position on the field that he can put him. And anytime that those two are matched up, I think it's it's going to be a fun and physical matchup because obviously both those guys are, are comfortable using their hands, using their body, and and it, it could be a really physical and entertaining matchup between two of the best. And it has uh, has O mentioned South Carolina getting Jalen Brooks back? Did that come up at all? Um, I know I guess he talked yesterday, but did that discussion yeah. come up at all in, in his talk? 
I don't know that he has so much of the attention down here has been centered around the quarterbacks throughout the week and then some other things going on that I don't know that he's been asked about Brooks, but that was something that I mentioned in, in one of my local shows this week with uh, a buddy, Mark Clements over at two, two five magazine that, that we've had our little podcast for a few years now that as much as you and I talked earlier this week about, how big Shy Smith is for that South Carolina offense to be able to add Jalen Brooks into the mix, I think is is kind of at least here on this side locally has been kind of an underrated storyline because if if Stingley potentially focuses on Smith and can take some things away, having another weapon with I mean with the the big playability that Jalen Brooks has is is definitely something that could potentially be concerning for an LSU defense that has struggled to slow down opposing passing games. And and final thing here, man, something I, I actually meant to ask you last time. Um, what what are your expectations for the atmosphere Saturday night? I, I know, I, I mean, I've, I've been to Death Valley. It was awesome. There's a reason why everybody talks about it as one of the most difficult places to play at night. Um, but, but what are the effects here of COVID? I imagine the fans that do get in are still going to be just as rowdy as ever, maybe even more rowdy. But how do you think uh, the reduced crowds affects uh, you know LSU and, and their crowd? I'm really interested to see what the atmosphere looks like on Saturday night because it's it's been so long since we've we've been in Tiger Stadium now. They started the season with that that tough afternoon game against Mississippi State that went the wrong way and then had the road trip to Vanderbilt, had what was supposed to be a home game, has to be moved to Missouri because of the storm, and then we're scheduled to go on the road against Florida, but uh, obviously had that game the other way. So we're at almost a month since that home home game uh, on the 26th against Mississippi State, and that game felt – you know, I talked to Marlon Favorite, a guy who played defensive line for, for LSU um, under less miles, and – I said it felt like a spring game, and he said he would agree it felt like a spring game, but maybe like a boring, less enthusiastic spring game. <laughs> and that's that's not really a good place to be when when you like to have some home field advantage and you're used to used to everything that Tiger Stadium typically brings to the equation. So now, I mean, a, a month deeper into the season, a night game, which means a lot to people down here, as opposed to those those afternoon games in the in the heat, like that Mississippi State game was. It might be a little bit of a different experience. They're supposed to be allowing alcohol in the state back in the stadium, which was not the case uh, in that first one, and that can certainly make a difference on a Saturday night. So we'll see. Um, I, I know people are kind of all over the map right now with, with where they are with this team and how frustrated they are versus how much they want to show their support and help get them back on the right track. And I, I don't really know what to, to make of Saturday because the first time out was it felt more like a scene from like the movie outbreak or something going up to the stadium. And it felt like I was going to an LSU football game. And it was the group that was there tried to be loud during the game, but it, it definitely was not the same. So we'll see how they do uh, now a month later. Yeah. And I, I agree, man. I don't know if we know what to expect either. So we'll all find out together Saturday night, um, seven Eastern six central Jared. Hey man, we appreciate it as always. Enjoy the game. Uh, be safe out there, man. And uh, we'll see who wins it on Saturday night. Okay. Yeah, appreciate you guys for everything this week. And, I mean, if there's anything else that I can answer for for you guys or the fans or whoever, uh, just hit me up, Twitter, email, whatever.
Awesome, man. We appreciate you, dude. Have a good one, okay? Thanks. Y'all as well. Yep. All right, that's Jarrett Rozier, TigerDetails.com. Good stuff there, as always. And uh, they do a really good job over there. Um, he's dialed in, I think. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see, as you all are, that the game plan for LSU in this game. And I, I think I think everybody's in the dark on that. And from you know from the sounds of it, they they do feel like maybe uh, Finley can can run a little bit more than maybe he did in high school. But it sounds like. That's not – I know a lot of people have sort of brought this up, you know, a running quarterback. He's not really a run-first quarterback at all. I think the big thing for South Carolina is, it, like I said earlier, man, when you get your shots at this guy in the pocket, treat him like a 240-pound man as opposed to treating him like a quarterback. And a lot of times they go for – you see this, people want to take out the quarterback. And I don't mean that, like, take him out of the game, but you have a free shot at the quarterback, you want to take advantage of it. You got to just worry about getting this guy on the ground. So uh, to me, that that's that's a big key for South Carolina, as Russ says, wrap him up and, and get him to the ground. All right, y'all throw any other questions y'all have in there. Um, where do we want to go with this, man? I uh, I, I kind of feel like we're all, we're almost at the hay in the barn portion of things, but I guess let's talk a little more Jalen Brooks because y'all love. Our numbers say that y'all love to talk about Jalen Brooks or hear about Jalen Brooks. So go check out our buy or sell brought to you by Bishop Real Estate Group on the site right now. Chris, the buy or sell for Jalen Brooks is set at three, three catches. catches. Yeah. You sold. I sold. You gave it away. Tell me why. Um. So, and interestingly, I have, we had a buy-or-sell contest also presented by Bishop Real Estate Group on the Insiders Forum and Fighting Gamecocks Forum, and I set that one at two for the people. I made ours three. Why? I don't know. Just make it interesting. Spice it up a little bit. So, he, here is my thing. The point that I'm going to make is probably you're going to say, well, that's why Jalen Brooks is going to make a difference in this category. But if you look – at what South Carolina has done this year in terms of pass receptions. Shai Smith had, what was it, 10 against Tennessee, 12 against Florida, 8 against Auburn, 4 against Vanderbilt, I think, which is his worst game. The only game he wasn't the leading receiver was, I think, Vanderbilt. I think Nick Muse had five. Xavier Leggett is, was the number two receiver in one game, had four catches. That was only in one game. All the other games, people who weren't Nick Muse – or Deshaun Fenwick or Kevin Harris, a running back, two catches or less for the receivers, right? So, so far, it's been the backs, the tight ends, and Shai Smith. Now, that is where Jalen Brooks could come in and make a difference. But I also think that that theme could, at least at first, continue. It's still probably going to be a lot of Shai Smith, a lot of Nick Muse, and Mike Bobo, we know, is going to make an effort to incorporate the backs. We've seen games where Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick have had, you know, four five catches, I think, in one game. I think in one game, but they both had four, something like that. So I do think Jalen's going to play. I think he's going to get targeted. He plays some special teams, too, and help out in that capacity. But it is game one back for him. It's game one period at South Carolina. He was a starter preseason. I realize that. And I realize they need a number two receiver step up. I think I was just going a little bit more conservative and saying, hey, maybe two catches instead of, you know, three, four, five. 
so I've asked around <laughs> to try and find out how many catches he's going to have. Yes, God, we need to my, find these uh, types of things out every week. We do my well. my peeps tell me five catches for fifty three yards. Okay, is what's going to happen. In all seriousness, that's my prediction. But <laughs> so, will he start or will he not? I have heard he has gotten some reps with the ones since the news came out. Now, whether or not he starts and actually is the within the first group that goes out there, who knows? But for the exact reason that you were giving, I'm taking the other side of that. Yeah, And that's that no other receivers have really stepped up and taken advantage of these opportunities. And I have a feeling Mike Bobo – will want to potentially establish Brooks as a target early, early on in this game yeah. in order to try and take a little bit of the attention away from other guys. So I'm I'm saying he, he reaches that three-catch bar because I think he's going to have a couple, even if they're just short balls, a couple of passes early on um, and then sort of works into the flow of the game. Rob has asked at least 15 times today <laughs> – if Colin Hill will attempt to pass over 25 yards. The problem is not attempting a pass over 25 yards. The problem is South Carolina has got to start completing passes over 25 yards. They took a shot the very, was it first play against Vanderbilt? They took several shots, at least two, against Auburn. One was the miraculous catch by Shy Smith probably the best catch of his career to this point. The other was actually uh, the pass interference on Kevion Mullins that, frankly, Colin Hill probably watched that on tape and said he never should have thrown that ball (laughs) because he had two – he had his choice of receivers open on the slant. So the the issue right now is not that Mike Bobo doesn't want to – spread the field vertically. The issue is that they have to prove they can actually go do it. And, you know, there's been some shots down the middle of the field. I I keep going back. For me, y'all, I keep going back to the Florida game and the plays that were left on the field against the Gators because of drop passes. So, if if you take that as sort of our baseline for this game, is LSU's defense as bad as Florida's? I don't, I don't know, but I do know LSU has given up some big chunks of yardage. So the question is if South Carolina has those opportunities again, like they had against Florida, can they now take advantage of those chances? And I, and I don't know what the answer is, but to me, that is a major, major storyline for this game. Uh, we got uh, Mr. Mike Yuva joining us. Watch Fox. Uh, let's see. what Can you read that? Yeah. Mike says having Jalen Brooks is going to help the run game more than anything. Spread him out one on uh, – I'm sorry. Spread him out on one side and shy on the other. That'll become softer. And P.S., tell Miranda to get you guys some dessert on me. Well, Miranda has done an outstanding job. Miranda has done an amazing job taking care of us, Mike. And we appreciate that. Um, Why are you not here hanging out with us, really, (laughs) is the the major question here. 
But I agree, man. I, I think Brooks and potentially, if it works out the way it's been envisioned when they brought this kid in, then this opens up a lot of other things for this South Carolina offense. And I think the earlier you can get Brooks in the game and establish him as a threat and not just a threat on paper, but a threat where he goes out and catches a couple passes and LSU has to say, all right, that, that's a guy we have to be concerned about. The sooner the better is what I'm yeah. trying to say. And, and, you know, just from a schematic standpoint, it helps you. Look on the roster right now. Shai Smith can give you a vertical presence. Xavier Leggett is, has been hit or miss so far on that, really. Uh, South Carolina just in general has been more missed than hit on these balls. Um, they haven't had as many opportunities. But when you, when you think about offensive game planning, Mike Bobo is going to try to think of some ways to scheme in stretching the field. You have to. But he also has to look at the personnel and say, I don't feel great about our ability to stretch the field. When he's done that, you've had to almost smoke and mirrors it a little bit. Um, to use a, a technical term, but um, you know when you can stretch the field, so Brooks can do that from a from a speed standpoint. You know he's not a four three guy, but he can run for his size. He's going to give them more of a vertical presence than they've had. And so what that allows you to do is maybe a guy backs off a little bit, and like you said, Wes, you get him in rhythm with a couple little shorter passes. You can also stretch the field from a schematic standpoint and keep guys from sitting on routes so much. Well, Muschamp's talked about that a lot. Mike Bobo's also got – Will Muschamp mentioned this last night on his, on his uh, call-in show. He's got to play action off everything that they do in the run game. And so that also helps you in the run. You know, you think back to the Tennessee game, second half, they made a concerted effort. Hey, we're going to stretch the field a little bit more. Does that mean they were out there hitting beat balls left and right? No. But it was a schematic decision to how are we going to make the defense account from stretching the field? All right, now let's go run the ball. Maybe let's take a shot or two. So even if Jalen Brooks doesn't haul in a deep pass this game, just his presence maybe helps a little bit. Maybe it helps you spring a run on third down or on first down. Uh, maybe it opens up another guy over the middle, like Mike was saying. Um, just having more of a vertical presence can help you from a schematic standpoint. No doubt. Um, all right, sun is back out, y'all. So I'm going back to the the looking at the chat on the phone. I'm not being rude and ignoring all of you. Um, Mike said he's at the gym working off the drinks from Colin's wedding. You better get in a long workout then, buddy. Um, let's see. Do we have any more questions? I don't. Let's see. Oh, very good question here from Dual Hutchinson. It's a new name on here, I think, as far as questions. Welcome to the show. By the way, if you're just joining us, we are live from Market on Main. Come out to Market tomorrow. Watch the game on a 23-foot LED screen. I'm going to be out here hanging out. Come say what's up. Let's watch the game together. Um, who will draw the assignment of Eric Gilbert? Will we treat him like Kyle Pitts? They're very similar athletic-wise. You know, we talked about this for a while. Was that yesterday, maybe Thursday? Um, this guy, Eric Gilbert, and let's tie this all in to our, our finish of the show here, which will go keys to victory. Um, we'll have a keys to victory piece on the site. Within a couple hours. For me, this all ties together. Together, Eric Gilbert is part of the keys to victory for me because I watched about 10 minutes of the sort of condensed version of the Missouri game. And I was like, dude, number two is a problem. 
And if you if you watch, if you're going to look pre-snap, watch where number two is lined up for LSU and watch who is over top of him for South Carolina. Because I think, much like with Kyle Pitts, you're going to see them rotate a bunch of different guys over top of him, show him different coverages, much like they'll have to do with Terrace Marshall as well, um, as far as mixing coverages, I mean. But the guy can line up as a true tight end. He can line up as an H-back. He really athletically can line up split out like a wide receiver as well. So that does give you some issues. To me, Kyle Pitts is the best tight end in the SEC right now. I haven't seen all the guys yet. I haven't. I don't know if I've watched every single SEC team yet this year, but if you can find, if there's a better freshman tight end than this guy in the country, there's not. I want to see him. There's, there's not. And Eric Gilbert, yeah. by the time he leaves LSU, will be the best tight end in the SEC, maybe the best tight end in the country. I think he's that good, and I think that's the matchup. Horn and Marshall, they're going to go at it all game. Marshall may win a few of those battles. He's a good player. But if you have Horn matched up with him for most of the game, you're going to be okay that he doesn't just beat you, I think. Yeah. To me, two is the guy, if you're a Carolina fan, that you got to be worried about possibly beating you. He is. And, you know, to, to go back to the original question even, and, and I mean, you, you really answered it, Wes, how, how, who's going to be responsible for him? That, they're Everybody. in difficulty, yeah, <laughs> because he's a tight end. He's not a receiver where you say, all right, we'll shadow him. Um Tight ends can be very difficult to count and to account for on your defense. Where You know, you can see them coming out there. You know what personnel you've got. All right, we're in 12, we're in 21 personnel, whatever you are. Um, but where is he when they actually align? And then when they align, is he moving? You know, is he going somewhere else? Then you got to change what you're doing defensively as far as your rules and your responsibilities. So they can line them up in a variety of ways. You know, when you look at what Florida did with Pitts, and we knew they would move him around. He had a, a great catch on J.C. Horn on the sideline. Horn was in pretty much perfect coverage. Pitts just makes a great play. They lined him up out wide down uh, near the goal line in the red zone on Izzy McQuamu, made an inside move, scored a touchdown. He won some one-on-ones with linebackers. So they'll, they'll put him, they put him in different spots. Um, will, will Gilbert do that much as far as where they line him? I don't know. You know, maybe they put some stuff in this game. But he is still going to be a problem. And something you already pointed out, Wes, is Eric Gilbert on almost any linebacker in the country (laughs) is probably going to be a mismatch. And so they're definitely going to have to account for him. And when South Carolina's defensive staff's been reviewing film, you know, in the offseason, even before Gilbert got on campus, they they had to know because they recruited the kid. And then even seeing what he's done the first few games, they know that they're going to have to be – laser focused on where he is and, and make sure they have him covered. Yeah, and I think the problem is he's probably a mismatch against safeties as well. Yeah. And then he's a mismatch against corners for different reasons because if you put a corner over top of him, then they go back into run game mode and say, we're going to let our 240-pound guy block your 195-pound corner and run right behind him. Potentially, so it is that that is the value of having a great tight end, yep. and they will certainly, I believe, take advantage of that, especially with a young quarterback. And tight end can be a great safe, safety valve for a young quarterback. So we'll see how that plays out. You're always ever. I mean, to me, this is the beauty of college football. You're going to see a different scheme every week. 
you're going to see different mismatches potentially every week. And the fun of it is seeing what South Carolina tries to do to counter that to give themselves the best chance to win. All right, so for me, keys to victory, other than Eric Gilbert obviously being a guy to focus on, this South Carolina offensive line. And to me, there's still some issues in pass protection that have got to get cleaned up. And if those things are cleaned up, then this is an LSU defense that has shown an ability to give up big plays. So I I think one thing for me that stood out from what Jarrett had to say was that Vanderbilt was able to run the football against LSU. That, that to me, means South Carolina is probably going to have some level of success running the football. But when they get in passing downs, obviously they want to stay out of passing downs, but when they get into passing downs, can they keep this LSU pass rush at bay? Because I do think that's been a concern for South Carolina all year long, something that has to get better and will be a key in them being able to stay on the field, move the football, and sort of follow their blueprint that we've seen for them really for most of the year. The blueprint to me has stayed the same. It's just they haven't executed well enough the first two games to win the games and the last two they have. Yep. So I got a, I got a few keys in mind. One is simple, affect the quarterback, you know, particularly with a guy who he's not going to be as mobile or is proven to be as mobile as Miles Brennan. That was a big concern going into that game. You know, uh, if, if Miles Brennan were to play, he can beat you two ways. T.J. Finley's regarded a little bit more of a pocket passer. So find ways to affect him. Um, now, schematically, maybe LSU structures it to where you're not able to do that as much. If that's the case, then you need to be tackling well in the perimeter. You need to be stopping the run, preventing any deep shot explosive plays. But first and foremost, affect the passer. Another one for me is field position. Our friend SEC stat cat, Clark Brooks, rolled out a stat that I, I saw again today. Two of the top four teams in the SEC in terms of starting offensive field position, South Carolina number four, LSU number two. And so South Carolina, we know, has been able to squeeze some points out this year. Mike Bobo is a big factor. Another big factor is they've taken advantage of some turnovers. They've taken advantage when they've been given short fields, and they've been really good in the red zone. Um, I think seven of ten touchdowns. So they have got to continue that. They need to have – really good field position and prevent LSU from having good field position. When you when you have a freshman quarterback on the other side, you want that guy to have to drive the field as opposed to giving him a short field, hit an explosive play, and boom, now you're already in the red zone. I agree, man. And I was going to go somewhere else with that, and I lost my train of thought. But, oh, another stat. All right. South Carolina and LSU, both top four, I think, as well in the SEC as far as protecting the football, not allowing turnovers on offense. And that's been a big part. I mean, if if South Carolina doesn't protect the football against Auburn and then create three turnovers of their own against Auburn, they don't win that football game. They did have the one interception, but won that turnover battle pretty handily. If that doesn't happen, we're having a much different conversation here today. So LSU, granted, so the different quarterback, they've not turned the football over. So can you create a mistake from the young quarterback? Can you get him off his game? Can you create a turnover or two? 
that that's a key. And, and obviously, you know what, a lot of this stuff, y'all, you can take any game of football ever played and say it's a key to victory to run the football, to protect your quarterback, and to force the other quarterback into mistakes. This ain't brain surgery. But I think especially this week when you do have a, a young quarterback for them and you have a defense for them that has struggled, if you do these things, you're going to put yourself in a, in a position to win the game. All that being said, LSU may be one and two, but don't for a second think South Carolina is just going to go in there and whip them up and down the field because I'm expecting you see a much improved LSU team. They will simplify their defense. South Carolina, again, schematically and playmaker-wise, is not a team on offense. It's just going to go up and down the field on anybody. So, to me, another fourth-quarter game, another game that comes down to who makes plays late, who doesn't make plays late, and who finds a way to win. Yep, I'm with you. Close game. Fourth quarter affair, once again. We thought there would be a bunch of those going into the season. Honestly, man, it's probably turned out to where more of them even than we than we maybe thought. You know, I think my expectations for, uh, you know, after a couple games of watching every team on the schedule or most of them, my expectations for Auburn changed some and my expectations for LSU changed some, not in terms of win or losses, but just – in terms of how maybe close the game is going to be. And so I think this one's going to be uh, – this is going to be no different. And, and so it's that low margin of error that we – you know, that I talk about all the time. Um, that's that's another one this week. Yep. All right, y'all. So I think we're about out of time and we're about out of comments. So um, have enjoyed it all week long. Come check us out. We'll be on Gamecock Central, of course, from now until the game. Literally, I'll be here tomorrow, 7 o'clock, market on Main. So come out, enjoy the game on the big screen. If you come find me, I'll buy you a drink. Um, let's do it. Chris, closing thoughts? Got anything? You good? Got everything? nothing. Everything, good everything has everybody. been said. Appreciate y'all as always. Uh, if you are just tuning in and you missed the beginning, it'll be archived on YouTube. It'll be on all the major podcast platforms. Do us a favor, rate, review, subscribe on your podcast platform wherever you listen. And we'll see you tomorrow. Y'all have a good one. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.